So I've decided to entitle this, first of all, I'm going I'm to do something that I've never done in almost 10 years, nine years of standing up here. I've decided that we'll do a series on a book of the Bible. Um, I know that's a common thing that's done all the time. I've never done it. I just thought it was kind of like cheating. It makes it too easy, right? If you don't have to come up with something new and profound every single week, is that really fair? Yes, it is. It makes sense. It's smart. I'm getting ready to do that. Um, But I'm entitling this, this week one, as we dive into the book of Acts, I'm calling it, Thank You, Andy. I'm not really. Just one more message about Andy Stanley. Just let me, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because what I've come to realize is what a service that Pastor Andy Stanley has done for us all because he's, he's ignited a, a, a newfound fire within the, within the community in a certain way. You have, to, you have to spin it positively to see that fire, but it's in there. And so we're going we're gonna to capitalize on it because I think that the book of Acts for Messianic Judaism, I mean, we love to talk about, let's go, we're doing it like the first century. You know, we're, we're going back to the first century and that's, that's fine, there's some good things, but I don't, I don't really know how much uh, understanding of everything about the books of Acts. Certainly on the, I, I don't like to talk in terms of sides between church and synagogue, that's, that's not what I mean, but on that in that camp, in that tribe, the idea of Acts is completely contrary to what actually happened in Acts and what the purpose of Acts is and what we're supposed to do with Acts. And so with, with this foundational book, you know, and I, I, I was inspired and sought Hashem's direction and feel that this is an incredibly important book for us, Jews and Gentiles, united in Yeshua. I mean, this is a big component of the book of Acts. This is where it all got started. And so it's clearly important. And we have all these things that are going on. We see Peter, we meet Shaul, right? We see him in action. We see his, quote, conversion taking place to become Paul the Christian. We have the Acts Council. We have uh, the Jerusalem Council. We have Cornelius. We have all the things that we love to talk about. And uh, the Jerusalem Council in particular at this current time and climate, based on the Aftermath series that was delivered up at North Point, the Jerusalem Council is an absolute mishigas misunderstanding. It's a mess of what actually happened there. And we'll get there eventually, of course, but, but what, we have, what we have going on in religious communities today is actually the aftermath. It's the aftermath of, of horrible teaching, not just what happened a few weeks ago. For thousands of years, actually, horrible teaching, and what we're left with is actually an aftermath an aftermath of this separation of the body of believers from an understanding of, as, as is so popular to say, the Jewish Jesus, right? Yeshua, Mashiach, the King 
of Israel, the son of David, the Mashiach. And there is a lost connection to the land of Israel. There's a big difference. We talked about this last night. There's a big difference between someone saying, I love the land of Israel. I'm, I, oh, oh, Israel, Israel. You can't love Israel without loving the people of Israel, the people on the ground in Israel. And that's That's not necessarily the way that is. That connection to the people of Israel is lost. And and the people of Israel, God designated the people of Israel as far back as Deuteronomy 4 to be a light to the nations. That's what it says in the book. We're supposed to look, the world is supposed to look at the people of Israel and say, who has a God like that? who gives such amazing and wonderful laws. That doesn't happen. It should though, and it will. But what we created, and this is all very much reviewed by way of introduction, but as you know, we have created a community of of Gentiles who have completely lost sight of, of God's program, His plan. And within a lot of these Gentile communities as well are Jews who have completely walked away and rejected their divine calling to walk in Torah and be a light. That's not how it was supposed to be. And the book of Acts tells us some of these things, a lot of these things. And we have a community of Jews in the world who have missed the coming of the kingdom of Messiah. They missed it. And it was the calling of the Messianic community in Acts to change that. And that has failed miserably. And I think it's very important in these times that we understand this book. So I'm going to draw on a number of sources for the next however many weeks that we do this. I'd like to say that we do a chapter a week, but that just does, I mean, there's... There's a lot that goes on in these chapters. Sometimes there's concepts that, that need a little digging into. So I can't promise you that, but for a little while. So I'm gonna draw on a number of sources. One, not the least of which being uh, Chronicles of the Apostles, a big six volume Messianic Jewish commentary on the Acts of the Apostles, Daniel Lancaster. David Stern, the author of the Complete Jewish Bible, many, many others, traditional, Messianic, Christian, all of them. So I'll mention them as I go. With that said, let's go. Let's go with number one, Acts 1. An incredible, phenomenal, amazing start to the story if you read it properly. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Yeshua began to do and teach. That is Luke. It would make sense now at this point to go through an introduction of Luke and the apostles and all those other kinds of things, but we'll do that next week. We'll do that completely out of order because this that we're talking about today forms the foundation of the book of Acts, the entire story of Yeshua, the apostles, us, everything is pinned pinned in right here. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Yeshua began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, some of your translations will say to heaven, 
It's not actually in the text at that point. Later, it does tell us that he was taken up to heaven. But right here, it just says, until the day when he was taken up. After he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. I would recommend bringing your Bibles from here on out because I don't always make slides. That is Acts 1. Yeshua's mission. What was Yeshua's mission? Don't answer that. I'll tell you as we go. But this text that says, began to do and teach. Yeshua was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He was a leader. And he began to do something that Luke talks about back in Luke. His his, rabbi, not necessarily consistent with what we know as a rabbi today, that, that term didn't really mean that, but teacher, teacher. And so he came and he began to do something and teaching was a part of it. What was he teaching? He was teaching the gospel, right? The gospel which says, believe in me and go to heaven. That is what the gospel has been boiled down to incorrectly. That is not what Yeshua came and taught, and we all know that. Okay, we know this. But here is what Yeshua began to do and teach in Matthew 13. From that time on, Yeshua began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven what has come near, has come near. There's a whole, whole story we could talk about that language of arriving, come near. We won't do it right now. The set in, God, in the gospel of Mark, the time has come, he says. Yeshua says in Mark, I uh, can't remember, one, maybe two. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And then what does he say? Believe in me and go to heaven. He says, repent and believe the good news. Okay, so here's a question. Matthew says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Mark tells us, repent and believe the good news. I'm confused already because we have two two different things going on here. It seems anyway. Are these different things? Matthew has said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom has come near. Mark says, believe the good news. They sound different to me and is commonly taught and near universally understood what is the good news. It's what I just said. It is commonly understood and taught to be, believe in me, go to heaven. Right? That is good news. That is very good news. And, 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 but but I, is that what they're looking for? First off, did the gospel writers make that up? Is the good news their original line? Who says that the gospel writers came up with the term good news? Anyone? You know I'm tricking you, so of course you're not going to raise your hand. No, they didn't come up with the good news, as almost every single New Testament concept is found in where? The Tanakh. And so where do we go? 
we have Isaiah talking about the good news. Now, this good news that they are mentioning is like great news. It's, it's good news filled with a new power, with a, with a new application, but it's not new good news. Why? My favorite chapter that I mentioned that we sung today, get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion bearer of good news, and lift up your voices mightily, Jerusalem bearer of, thank you. This is very near and dear, as I've said, Isaiah 40. First of all, logo. I love our name. I love our logo. I love what it means. But let me give you a moment. Let me give you an opportunity today as we look at this and consider Isaiah and the good news and repenting and believing. Let me give you a good reason to love that logo even more. Okay? So we sung that. We're bringing good news. Isaiah 49, that's what we, 40 verse 9 You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, listen to me, here is your God. Here is your God. The good news is that something is arriving. Something is coming, and it is bringing with it what Isaiah continues to say in the chapter of 40. It's bringing comfort. It's bringing hope. It's bringing strength. And as we're reading that, and you know, uh, everlasting God like Chris Tomlin has built his career on Isaiah 40. There's so much great stuff that's coming because of this good news. Behold, here is your God. But here's something very interesting about that particular phrase. The good news, God, behold, here is your God. You know what Targum Yonatan is, right? The, the Targums, we talk about the tar, Targums uh, in Aramaic. They're like the message version of our Bible, okay? That's the easiest thing. Anyone ever read the message or the, like, the New Living Translation and it turns it into like what? contemporary language. So that's what the Targums are, right? And that's a very short description of the Targum. But in the services, when the texts were read, someone would stand and would, would, would give an interpretation, a Targum of the text. So what is interesting about this is that I just told you this text that we have, here is your God, Lift up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Here's what Targum Yonatan says. Behold, the kingdom of your God has been revealed. Do you see a similarity in that? Behold, the kingdom of your God has been revealed. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is arriving. Do you see a connection? I hope you do. I hope you're not like sleeping with your eyes open. (laughs) 
There is something happening. The good news that Isaiah says will be declared is that the kingdom of God has come near and it brings comfort. So again, I ask, Yochanan, Johnny the Baptist, Yochanan the Immerser, the voice of one calling in the desert says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is on the brink of arrival. Matthew says, repent, for the kingdom has come near. Mark says, well, Yeshua is saying it in these gospels, repent and believe the good news. Has the kingdom come near or is it good news? It's both, and it's from Isaiah, and it's the realization that Yeshua came teaching. This is, I understand, foundational and review, but I want you to have that connection of how far back it goes. Our logo, Nachamu Ami, comfort, and what is at the center of the star, Yeshua, who brings the good news. So we have comfort for Israel, Nachamu Nachamu Ami, who's bringing it? And what is it that he's bringing? He is the bearer of good news. And that news is the kingdom of heaven is arriving. It's here. Here I am. That's what Yeshua taught. Well, that was before he died. That, that, he, in Acts, it's totally different. Like that happened he died, he resurrected, and then it's totally different. Like he's coming back and doing something different and there's a new message, right? Now the message is, believe in me and go to heaven. Still, no, it's still not that. When we read in the first chapter of Acts, 1-3, verse 3, we've only, we're only three verses in. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning what? The kingdom of God. What did he rise and talk to them about? Salvation, do you know where you're gonna go when you die? What would happen if you got hit by a camel over here on He rose, he came out in all of his glory and began, not began, he began that in Luke. He began to do and teach. And he's still teaching. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Well, this is a good question. What is the kingdom of God? If there's so much talk and we're supposed to know so much about it, what is it? Is it going to heaven. I want to read you something from Rabbi Lichtenstein and his commentary on the New Testament. And I want you to, to, to not memorize this, but I want you to put this concept deep in your knower. It is important to know that the gospel authors use the term Kingdom of heaven, I'm writing courtesy of, I'm reading courtesy of Chronicles of the Messiah, Lancaster's Yeshua commentary. Uh, they use the term kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, the same way that it's used frequently by the Mishnah and the Talmud. 
The term can have two different senses and the prophets taught both of them. The first sense is the kingdom of God physically in Jerusalem reigning over Israel through who? The Davidic Messiah. This is the sense that the term kingdom of heaven is used in Matthew 3, which we quoted. There are many more examples of this sense in the prophets. Here is the second sense. The kingdom of God will be in the hearts of the people of Israel, causing all the wicked of the land to turn to him and and Hashem will place within them a new heart and a new spirit that may walk in his statutes. The Gentiles will abandon their idols and their detestable things and Hashem will be king over all the earth. He will remove the spirit of uncleanness from the earth and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. There are also many examples of this sense in the prophets. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the good news. This is what Isaiah was waiting for. This is what Yeshua began to teach. And this is what he still came teaching in the book of Acts. Got it? It's clear, right? You got it? You with me? Kingdom of heaven, done. Restoring the kingdom of heaven, Verse six in the book of Acts. So when they had come together, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it now, Yeshua? Two things. Two things that I want everyone in the world to hear. Particularly some of our replacement theology uh, prone teachers around the world who may never hear this. Is this the time, Yeshua, that you're going to restore the kingdom? What does Yeshua say? Come on, man. What are you guys, dense? Israel? They had a chance. That thing's done, man. Israel, that whole plan, that thing's out the window. I'm not doing that anymore. Is that what he says, Richard? No. Adamantly, no, that's not what he says. It is confirmation in his response that what is going to happen. Literal, physical, spiritual Israel is going to be restored. It is not the community of the the Methodists and the Baptists and everybody who got the good news and transformed it into something else. Literal, physical king and kingdom in Israel. He does not refute that. It's not changed. This is not the creation of the church. It's the continuation of the divine plan from the beginning. First thing. Uh, but actually, I love, I love Yeshua's response to that. It's like the kid in the back seat, the, the disciples. Are we there yet? Are we, are we there? That, are we there? That? And his, his response, it's almost like a parental response to are we there yet? They're, they're like, are, are you going to do it now? Are you, are you going to do it now? I mean, you didn't do it when you were alive. Wait, you're still alive. You, and that's awesome. But are you going to do it now? Now are you going to do it? And he says, chill. It's above your pay grade. You don't need to worry about that. It's all under control. You just sit back there. No, that's not what he says. 
He doesn't say sit in the back seat and play on your iPod till we get there. iPad, I poo. What does he actually say? It's above your pay grade. That's my, era, that's my message version. It's a rabbinic answer. It's a teaching, discipling answer. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Did I just say that wrong? That's right, isn't it? Epoch. In other words, but, here, but here's, the, here's the second thing. Okay, replacement theology, out the window. Yeshua has nothing to do with that. He says, it's, it's coming, just not now. You just don't worry about it. Sit down, take a break till it gets here. No. He says, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Are you gonna do it now, Yeshua? No, you don't need to worry about that. But you're gonna be my witness. Huh? What does that have to do with it? Like, what, what are we gonna do with that? What kind of answer is that? We want the kingdom now. Are we there yet? No, we're not, but here's what you're going to do. It is the answer. You have a job to do. You are not going to sit on your duff and wait for the kingdom to arrive. You are going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Kepha. Remember that thing I told you about the rock, you know, and, and building something on it, and that's you? Well, that's happening. That's gonna happen, here it comes. Uh, guys, remember that thing I told you just, just before and I said go and, and make disciples of, of everybody? Here it comes. You have a job to do, right? Yeshua filled the gap in the knowledge, focusing their attention, not on his return, but on their task. That is a problem that we face today. Everyone is so consumed with getting out of here. Yeshua rebuked the disciples for the same thing. Not They weren't talking about getting out of here, but you understand what I mean. Can we, can we just put an end to it? Are you gonna set it up now? Come on, save us the work. Just do it. No, there's people who need to hear it. You have a job to do. It's your task. He did not focus them on his return, but on their task. This is why the book is called Acts. Because we're going to be acting, doing, being. We're going to do we're going to do. Can you imagine a world where we're all focused on the task of the kingdom of heaven, of bringing the kingdom? Can you imagine if we did it? I mean, Judaism has a number of teachings about how if we all did that, that Mashiach would come, that God has a set time for Messiah to come. But if, if the world would get together and do this, we could, we could hasten the day. 
Sadly, I don't know that we have it in us to hasten the day, so it's going to happen according to God's perfect plan anyway. But wouldn't it be nice if we all acted like we knew our task and did it together for the kingdom of heaven? I thought we were talking about acts, Damien. Like, what is this? This is, this is Messianic Judaism 101, the gospels, the kingdom of heaven. Why are we backing up? The kingdom of heaven is in the gospels. No, the kingdom of heaven is in Acts. It's everywhere. It's the fundamental message that we're going to take through the rest of the story. It's on this expanded scale, right? Continue what I taught you. What I began to do and teach, the message needs to go forth, the message of the gospel, the good news, the kingdom of heaven is arriving available to all who believe. Acts is the message of the kingdom going out. It is not the message of us going out. Because we're not done yet. That's what he told them. And he's telling us. I want to close with this last little look at something that you'll miss in your translations because it's not in any of them. That's why you'll miss it. From that awesome parting word from Yeshua, having been charged by the master himself to take up the mission, having seen him ascend to heaven, knowing that the Holy Spirit is coming soon to empower them, they do something very, very interesting. Acts 1.14. There's, I skipped some stuff in between because, first of all, I, I skipped some stuff about the Spirit because that's getting its own, that's getting its own deal because we're going to spend some time looking at the Holy Spirit for sure. But they do this in Acts 14. These with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Yeshua. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Some of your text will say, and supplications. By the way, I realize that a bunch of my notes are not there. I wanted to say something else, but I forgot it. I would like to have seen their look as Yeshua ascended. Because it says that the two men came to them and said, what? What are you guys doing? What are you looking at? And like, was it, was it, was it this look? Was it like terror? Was it fear? Like, I don't know what the look was, but obviously they were kind of stuck in this look because here they come and they say, what are you doing? The same way he went up is the same way he's coming down. Can I see your Bible real quick? Thank you. The same way he went up is the same way he's coming down, basically. You Galileans, why are you standing, staring into space? So that, it was actually that look. <laughs> it was that look, staring into space. This Yeshua, 
who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back to you in just the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, in other words, get busy. You just heard what he said. He's gone. He'll be back. You're here. Get busy. Right? And what did they do? They went and started discipling everybody and and everything happened right away? No. Do you know what they did? It's what I just read you. 114. It says they went and they prayed. And they, oh, whoops. And they were all, they were all together. But it's not just they went and prayed. It says actually with the with the definite article in the Greek, it says continually devoting themselves to the prayer. What is the prayer? That doesn't make any sense. Hey, I'd like for you to come over and the pray with me. (laughs) The prayer and in places, some texts say supplications. Do you know what that is? Hatafilah. Hatafilah in Hebrew is the prayer. And it is the Amidah, or a version of it that was current at that particular time. Supplications, the word tachanun, that we pray during our morning prayers, which are prayers of repentance. They are supplications to God to bring the kingdom, to, to, to forgive us, and to bring the kingdom. So what did they do? They went and said, Hail Mary, and had a worship service? No, they continually, they went right away, and what did they do? How did they get busy? How did they get ready for the task at hand? They did what we do. And that is so powerful. Because if you want first century, you got it in the Messianic synagogue. You have the prayer and supplications. And you see what it did for them. We have cut. We haven't. But those ties are cut. Anyone heard that before? Anyone know that, that it's the prayer, right? What's the big deal? It's simple. It's a Jewish story. And we are all included in it. Jews and Gentiles. That's what the book's about. But it's about us building the kingdom. The same charge. So, I think that we should probably listen to those words. And I think we should, instead of, let somebody say, what are you doing? Let it be me. What are you doing? Let's get busy. Let's act. Shabbat shalom.